Welcome to Storytelling with Lindsay Bednar. Hey! Hi! How How are you? That's so good. Great to see you. Look at your pretty backdrop. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my office. I just had to move because the rain coming off the gutter is like insane in, in my office right now. So I might be moving to like a closet pretty soon because it's super loud. It's brutal outside. I know. So we'll just uh, for now. No, I'm such an environment girl. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to spend so much time in here, I need to like set it up so I like it. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Thanks. 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 You're welcome. So how are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm doing such fun stuff and the boys are awesome and we're just having a blast. Yeah. Uh, I bet they love being in Minnesota and um, so cute Mav getting to be on the hockey team. Like he manifested that whole thing. Without question. He knows that too. Like he can, he can use those words. Um, uh, but yeah, without question. And I mean, you go, our kids went from seeing grandma like three or four times a year to, you know, every day. I mean, they're in cousin heaven and mm. it's the oh, best. I love it. That's so happy. Yeah. It's crazy that their generation Garrison is a manifesting master too. And it's like when they, they they just know how to create their reality and they don't have all these blocks that I feel like we did. They just came in way brighter and just ready to hit the ground running. Way brighter with a lot more empathy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for our kids chose parents who could facilitate that, you know? Right. And right. that aren't, wait, what are you talking about? You know? Like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You can do whatever it is that you choose to. I was going back thinking about like my, and I know I've told you the story before because I've definitely told Carl, but thinking about my first realization that like, oh, Brooke is like made for the stage. And so, okay, to go back, I've known Brooke since sixth grade and we were in public speaking class together our senior year. And for anybody who tunes in frequently or knows me, knows that public speaking has always been like a huge fear of mine. Ironic, I'm doing a podcast now, but very like, Look at you now. Look at you now. <laughs> I've definitely grown some, but you know, one-on-one conversations much different than being on a stage. But I remember you standing up there and I I don't completely remember what the talk was about, but it was like a I think it was an informative speech. But you got up like you had been doing this since utero. I was like, what? And I hadn't gone yet. So I knew I was going to have to follow you. If not that day, like another day, which just completely added to my anxiety about it. But I just remember sitting back in awe, like, oh, my God, she's going to do this for a living. Well, thank you, first of all. And, you know, I grew up in a radio station. So my dad owned radio stations when I was little. And I was doing, I remember doing radio ads for companies like when I was in kindergarten and he had this little step stool in the recording studio and, you know, the headphones were so big. So he duct taped a piece of foam on the headphones because otherwise they were like down here. (laughs) And I I just remember being like, my name is Brooke Kerwin and I'm going to go to kindergarten this year. And if you're driving around, watch out for my bus, you know, and like he would, 
obviously I couldn't read. So he would read me the words and then I would recite them into the microphone. And he would, he would teach me things like, okay, you can't talk from your throat. You have to talk from your tummy, he would say. So like tighten your tummy and talk, right? And these were all things. I mean, I was probably six, seven years old or however old you are, right? And I remember I did a commercial for like a chicken like chicken company. <laughs> so like chicken sandwiches and, and always like back to school commercials. And he, if I would not repeat the words exactly like he would say, he would make me do it again. So if I would add in things like, um, or so, or he's like, I didn't say so let's do it again. And so I had no idea that he was training me to speak, but that's exactly what he was doing. That's incredible. And it, it speaks to how much we underestimate what our kids are capable of doing. I mean, there, there's a few accounts I follow on Instagram that show the kids really getting involved in cooking and prepping meals little kids using a step stool with big knives and things. And at first I was like, Oh my God, you know, but you know, our kids are so sheltered. Now you go back in time and these kids, like kids were working on farms. They were, uh, you know, doing all of those kinds of things. And now I feel like we are completely underestimating what they're capable of doing. And we are, we are the ones that are holding them back. And I know I have been guilty of it time and time again. Me too. Out of protection, right? Out, out of coming from a space that you love them so much, you don't want to give them a giant knife. <laughs> right, right. But, um, you know, in, in doing, in protecting, we sometimes enable, which is, you know, hold, hold them back. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, thus, thus became my, my speak, my love for speaking. Yeah. yeah. So did you... I feel like, I don't know if that was a required class in high school. I don't think it's one I would have signed up for. So I, (laughs) unless you had to, uh, knowing me, I probably signed up because you signed up. Yeah. That's probably why I did. I'm going to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Cause it was like a huge group of us in the same class. I remember that much. Right. Right. No, it's kind of like, how did you pick your major? My major was sports medicine. I love to watch sports and I was obsessed with ER. So ER is like, vintage Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) That was my master plan, how I picked my life path from TV. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) So funny. But it led you down. It led led me here. Yeah. So talk about that process in college, because it was early on when most of us were, you know, our majors were undeclared. We were really just hitting the social scene trying to learn how to do laundry on our own stand on our own two feet. And you had already started carving out your career, which I'm not sure how much of that was like, you were aware of it at the time, but. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think I was a little bit aware of it. So yeah, I went to school for athletic training in Minnesota. And actually what happened, Lynn's was I've always loved to travel, which I know you love to travel. I love culture and I love different people and different foods and different languages. And I just love everything about the whole adventure. And so I get this four-year degree in athletic training and I felt like I showed up on time and I got really good grades and I did my very best and I I was good at it. And I really enjoyed it. After coming out of four years, I realized like what the income is for an athletic trainer and more importantly, what my lifestyle was going to be. I was like, I'm never going to be able to travel working this much um, or with this kind of an income. Like, 
how do you pay to travel, much less have a family? So I was like, oh, I must have done something wrong. Like I, I felt like I missed something. So honestly, I was thinking about our hometown and and like, okay, who are the people that I knew that I grew up with that had this life that I wanted to have? And they were all dentists and doctors and attorneys. And I was like, oh, I must not have gone to school long enough to create that lifestyle. Mm. That's I'm, I just didn't have enough degrees to have that type of a life. Yeah, because I think I just... I knew from a very little age that I wanted to do something big, something that wasn't normal, something that was, I, I can't explain it other than something big. I just knew that that's what I came here for. Now there's pros and cons to that. So I, after I graduated, yeah, I was like, okay, well, where did I mess up? Like, I was literally like, maybe <laughs> I slept in the day they told me this part, like what is going on right now? So yeah, I went back to school. I got a master's of education in health and wellness. And I came out making pretty much the same amount of money with the same lifestyle. And I was like, next level frustrated. Mm -hmm. This can't be right. And, and not that there's anything wrong with that path. And honestly, I would never take a different path. I'm super grateful for all of the things that I did and the things that I learned. But I was like, I remember specifically walking down the hallway at the university and the athletic director walked past me. And in my mind, I was like, oh, this is the guy that like signs my checks. This is the guy that decides this and this and this about my life. And the dude walked right past me and he had no idea who I was. Uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is over. And my, so some people get sad wins and I get like fire. Spicy, yeah. Like, I am <laughs> spicy to the core. And uh, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. Like never again will someone walk by me who makes my decisions on behalf of my life without knowing my name. Mm -hmm. And at that point, like I was an entrepreneur. I don't know that I could explain that to you, but I just knew this is the last day that I won't be in control. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the amount of people who get to that point where they're like, Oh, I, I knew I was going into something I I wanted to do, but I didn't really know how that was going to show up financially or whatever. Yes. I mean, I didn't have that till so much later in life. And that's a, a, a lot of foresight for you at that age, because uh, I think a lot of people, you know, even into our 40s are, they're just trying to find something stable and something quote unquote safe. Yep. Yep. It's so true. And that works for some people. People create an awesome life in that space and they're very, very happy. And I love that for them. I just knew that wasn't me. I was like, I want to go places and do things and meet people. One of my, one of my big dreams was like, I want to have friends all over the world that I can fly and go visit. So I had this now, you know, what we would call like a life's desire list. And I didn't know it was called that, but I I've had that forever. And I just was kept trying to put the pieces together. Like, how does this career get me this list of life's desires? I don't think it does. So I knew I was going to do something different. I just didn't know what it was. Um, so, okay. So you had finished your master's program at this point and realized, okay, this isn't the path that I've been on is not where I want to go. So then what made the shift and what happened next? I connected with a friend and we had 
As being an athletic trainer, like I was really educated on supplements with athletes and I was really interested in like the nutrition side of sports medicine and how that all worked. Um, and we had heard about these smoothie shops uh, and there was only a couple of them in the United States. My friend and I decided to build one. <laughs> like, I mean, we know nothing. We know less than nothing, actually. I would never recommend that to someone, but I was just so excited. Uh, and I often call that point of my life, like ignorance on fire. <laughs> I I was too naive to be scared. And I was too naive to have any belief system that like, why would you do that? This is never going to work. There's no way you can pull this off. Like not one time did that come in my mind because honestly, I didn't even have enough information to think that, which was a little bit of a protection thing at the time. Right. But I remember calling my mom and being like, so I'm not going to use my master's degree. I'm actually going to make smoothies. And she was like, oh, you have lost your mind. <laughs> like, what are you talking about right now? You know, but I've mm -hmm. always been a little woo woo. So they go with it. Mm -hmm. Well, and so many of us continue down a path. And even if we are like, oh, we get those flags like you had with that interaction with the director and we just ignore them because what is on the other side, all of that unknown is far too scary. But to your point where you probably wouldn't have started had you known how little you knew, I yeah. think that's true for anybody who has risen to success. And the more people I connect with, the more they're like, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I think for so many people, when they are held back by the fear, it's they think everybody else has it figured out. But the secret is nobody does. And you learn through all the mistakes and the things that you that come along the way. Yes, absolutely. You learn, you learn by doing, mm -hmm. right? So people often ask me, like, do you have a book for that? I'm like, no, it's called it's called experience. Mm -hmm. Just do it and you mess it up. And part of the reason I love having these conversations is hopefully the the 28 year old version of me is listening. Right. And they're like, I'm like, go to the left. There's a storm coming. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my gosh, because there's so much chaos in a lifestyle like that. And I always say, like, if you're going to swing for the fences, then you have to know you're not going to hit a home run every time. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have to be able to physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally be able to handle the strikeouts. And if you can't do that, then you can't swing for the fences. Then you need to go with something that's a little more stable, a little bit calmer. Right. But the the benefits, man, it's uh, it, it that that rush, that excitement, it gets really addicting for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, OK, so you told. um Yeah. Carla, you're going to start doing. <laughs> oh, Carla, bless her. Yes. Um, she humored you. Sort of. Yeah, sort of. So, yeah. So we started this little 500 square foot smoothie shop in Duluth, Minnesota. And I'm just telling you, I loved it. I was so happy and everyone loved us. And there were like lines out the door. And I was like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life in this one spot. And People would come into this place and they're like, oh, do you have one of these in this town? And do you have one of these in this town? And one in this town. I was like, no, no. Like, I didn't really pay attention to it. And then I remember specifically, I was standing in my tiny house in um, Lakeside in Duluth all by myself. And it was like five in the morning. I turned on the TV and I was looking at the weather, like the weather channel, the news, which I don't watch anymore. But mm -hmm. the news was on. And I specifically remember the chick and she was telling the weather of Minnesota. 
right? And so you can picture like the map of Minnesota and every city has a temperature, right? And she had the whole Midwest. And for some reason, it just clicked in my mind, like if there's enough people in those places that want to know the weather, there must be enough people in those places that would want to drink smoothies. And in that instant, I made it my goal to put one of these smoothie shops in every single place that she showed the weather. And so I drove to the gas station in, in Lakeside and Duluth and I bought one of those like plastic maps. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like a gas station. Yeah, that we used to all have in our car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. None of us can read. Right. Um, so I hung it on the wall in my house and I put pins where like stick pins every place where she showed the weather. And I made it my mission to open one of our smoothie shops in every one of those places. And I just kind of went on that vision for the next, I mean, I, I, what is it like almost 18 years now? Yeah. That you struggle to go anywhere that she showed that map without having at least one of those, those smoothie shops. It's kind wow. of crazy. You know? Wow. So how, and were you doing this with your business partner or was this something? Mm-hmm. That, okay. So both of yeah, you. Yeah. We were, I mean, at first we started working together a lot and we were, um, and then it was kind of like, you go this way and I'll go this way and we'll, do yeah. more of them. Uh-huh. Um, but I think one of my keys, Lynn's, was again, pros and cons to everything, but I was focused to the point of obsession. Like I I had no idea what else was going on in the world. <laughs> I mean, like there was a recession. So, like, how do you build a business when there's a recession? There was like you know, all these things going on and like people would get married and people would have babies and there would be bachelorette parties. And I had no concept that any of that was going on because I was just obsessed. Mm -hmm. Now, again, pros and cons to that mindset, but that's what it took at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember at that time, that was when you were building your business and it was at the time in our lives where, you're exactly right. A lot of those things were happening, weddings, uh, people were having babies, things. And so I didn't get to see you for a lot of that. Um, yeah. But you were building something really big. Yeah. And obviously you don't know what you don't know. Right. So I think looking back, if I talked to that, you know, 30 year old girl, I would be like, hang on, you know, you can, you can do both you can do this and that, and you can deposit here and still build. Like, I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I have a, a mentor of mine that always says like, you do the best that you can with the information that you have. And when you gain new information, you've earned the right to make a new choice. Mm. I love that because it's allowed me to live like with no regrets ever. Yeah, and Because I can always look back and go at that exact moment, I did the absolute best that I knew how with the information that I had. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, you- yeah, hindsight's 2020, right? And and if we were to rewind the clock and do things differently, who's to say how differently your life would have turned out and you are very happy and in, in where you're at now. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah. it's a crazy so- yeah. So, okay. Well, you're, you started to put different smoothie shops in the Midwest and that was at, you were 28 at the time. I think so. I think I was, uh, yeah. I mean, I've been doing it for like 18 years, so I was probably close to that. I'm 41. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and then when did you expand outside of that? Because you moved to Colorado at some point and, and things started to go yeah. further. 
Yeah. So um, we've kind of moved around a little bit just in the effort of like, we'd move here and grow this pocket. And then we'd move here and grow this pocket. Um, And at one point, my husband, Carl, um, who does a lot of real estate, he has always had this dream of living in Colorado. So I was like, well, let's do it. Um, So we had a two-year-old and I was like, 20 weeks pregnant or something like that. And my poor mom, I called her again and said, we're moving to Colorado. And she was like, no, (laughs) of course you are. But it was just so funny. So we moved out there. We were there for like four or five years. Our littlest was born out there. Um, And we adventured and we did all the things and we had a blast. And I'm so glad that we did it. And then it was time to come home. Yeah. So time to come home to like, family and community. And, you know, my kids got a taste of what it feels like to be on a hockey team where, you know, everybody. And, um, you know, it's just like, I, I loved growing up here. And, and so I just wanted them to have that same experience with their cousins and their auntie and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's a magical place to grow up. Uh, There's no question. Yeah. And I, I think I'll always have guilt for the fact that all three of us girls have not moved back home uh, to gift my my parents with that. Thankfully, see them all the time, though, right? Like you guys are so we, good. At being we kind do. Of, and yeah. we, we get up there in the summer as often as possible when we're not tied down with activities. But mm-hmm. it is it's such a um, I mean, community is huge. But what a gift that you and Carl had those first early years with just you guys and the kids a separate from that? Because I remember it was Bobich actually, when they moved out, I think it was to Iowa, but it was just the two of them and the kids for a while. And she said it was such a great bonding experience for them because you couldn't rely on, you know, others, you really had to come together as a team. And so that's super cool. Yeah, totally. I mean, we moved out there. We didn't know anyone, not one person and went through COVID out there. Um, you know, and moved a few times and tried to figure out like business and schools and all the things. Um, No, I totally agree. It was a great experience. And we learned to rely on each other. And we spent so much time together. Um, And our kids were so little. So it was it really was perfect timing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because when they get older, and there's more of that integration with the community, then you know, you made that shift at a really great time. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're in it now. <laughs> they're in it now. Yep. They're yeah. sold, sold out. Absolutely. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's, it's a cool stage of life when your, your social life revolves around really being cheerleaders for like your favorite little humans in the entire world. It's just like, I'm trying to freeze time all the time because it's going to go by so quickly, but mm-hmm. yeah. It's an awesome. I'm already getting the like, even this morning I came out and I always call Mike as our five year old, and I call him the little one. Like, hi, little one. He goes, I am not little. <laughs> it's like, oh, shoot. Sorry. Big boy. Yeah, I'm a big boy. <laughs> you had built places in Minnesota, you'd built places out west. In addition to that, you were, I saw you speaking on stages, not nationwide, but worldwide. So, How did you get there? And I want you to talk about that experience. About speaking? Yeah. And and, and where it took you. Yeah. I think I I intuitively knew that like, 
you know, I always say like some people sing and some people paint and this is my art. This is how, like, I can tell you a lot of times where I've stepped on a stage and then 90 minutes later got off and I don't actually even know what happened. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know what I said and I don't know what went on, but I was just so in flow and it just kind of downloads for me. Uh, and you know, I've really come to the point where it actually has nothing to do with me personally. It has to do with the message that I'm here to deliver and a message that helps people, whether that be through, you know, building businesses or coaching them on other things, mindset, you know, all these different things. It just kind of comes for me. And, you know, the 10,000 hour rule, I've had lots and lots of practices and, and I've had lots of things not go how they should have. But it's it's fun for me. And um, I really, some of my most joyful moments that as I look back are training on big stages or training little groups too. It's just... Um, yeah. Well, you, you said a few things there. You said it, it felt like it was like downloaded. So uh, I've talked about this on several previous podcast episodes as, as well. Um, but for those of you listening, if you've ever had those moments where you feel like something just comes through you and it feels so like aligned and intuitive with who you are, like, I have no question that's our higher self, just like here, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's a, it's a gift. And a lot of writers talk about that. I know when I've had certain situations where I I sit down to write something and it's just, it comes through me. And you can go back to it later and like, oh, did I write that? Or did I actually say that? You know, those are those higher self downloads, which are amazing. And in addition to that, for you to find what is so aligned with your soul at such a young age also speaks to the importance of get out there and try everything. I just shared something on my story. I think it was last week about this guy's advice from his mom. And it said, you know, in your twenties, try everything in your thirties, figure out what you're really good at in your forties. If you haven't already really make money from that, the earlier we can all figure out and foster a way for our kids to figure out what lights them up. I mean, mm -hmm. that is the goal because when we're aligned with what we're innately good at, that is when money flows with these. It's when we feel just connected and, and fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many times in this journey where like, I had so much pressure lens and I had, it was so heavy and it wasn't fun. And, you know, looking back, all those pressures and all those feelings were self-inflicted. Mm. Um, they were points where I, if I would have just calmed down and listened, you know, it was like, go to the left, steer to the right, you know, cause I just feel like I'm always being guided and, and the times that I don't listen and I struggle and I go upstream is because I'm too busy and I'm not listening. Yeah. Right. Where if I would just calm down, the downstream energy is very obvious and it's very present. And I think that's, it's like that for everyone, not just me, you know, and and so, yeah, for me, that that's my situation. And then how you bring that into parenting is so interesting because I've got two children that are polar opposites, um, both as brilliant and hilarious. And so I'm always like, my job is to not push them in one, one direction. I, I believe that they came with a purpose. And my job is to just facilitate and foster 
whatever direction they go into the best of my ability. And, you know, Carl and I had a conversation before our oldest was born and it's like, okay, if we could give this, this child one thing, what would it be? And we, we agreed on confidence. If you can, if we can teach him confidence, he will have the confidence to go after what he wants, the confidence to set a goal, the confidence to have friends, to have conversations. Like it is the foundation of everything. And I think I, I work with and speak to so many adults who don't have confidence in themselves and therefore confidence in anything that they're doing. So I was like, okay, if we can just, just teach them that, that they can do anything from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What have you found to be like strategies or tools or practices that have helped build confidence within your kids? Because, you know, I think for so many of us, we have people just automatically go to like words of affirmation or sharing words, which I I think is important for sure. And in the way that you speak to your kids and, and reiterating that they're capable of doing anything, but there are a lot of like practical things that can give them confidence. So what kinds of things have you guys done to facilitate building those confidence levels? Um, well, the first thing is, is like, I think confidence is a trained skill. Right. So I think you can train confidence into someone and you can also train confidence out of someone. Mm. Um, and there's so many examples of that in the world. And more often than not, when you see adults with that lack confidence, because life, right, life circumstances have trained confidence out of them. So to me, it's a muscle. It's a muscle that you can build over time over and over again. And so a few of the things that we do is like, just like you would work out every day or you'd lift weights every day to build this muscle, you have to build the muscle of confidence. And you do that by identifying your wins daily. Like, tell me somewhere where you were awesome today. Tell me something that you did that was really great today. And you you hear them speak it in their cute little seven-year-old way. You know, it's like, I helped Tommy who was crying on the playground. I mean, they're so cute, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, good, that's a that's a win. Let's let's talk about that. Let's celebrate that. And you can physically see their posture change and they get a big smile on their face and they kind of start to giggle like, oh, I am awesome. <laughs> uh, and they get so excited. And so we really try to like, extract out the wins. Listen, it is the same conversation, whether I'm talking to a seven-year-old or a 47-year-old, they have the same physical reaction. And so if I'm, I do this intentionally, we can talk about this, but I do this intentionally with adults too, is like pick out their wins and celebrate them. Um, And it's really interesting to watch how they react. Okay. So that's the first one is like picking out wins. The second one is we practice gratitude. Uh, and, and we do this, like, you know, some people sit down at dinner, for example, and they'll say a prayer and that's awesome. And what we do is we'll sit down at the table for dinner. We'll say, I'm so grateful for, and they have to list three or four things that they're grateful for today. And they're again, hilarious. Like (laughs) so grateful to sit by mommy and not my brother. I'm so you know, like, I'm so grateful that I scored three goals in soccer, you know? Um, and then I'm always like, and we're, he- we're thankful for healthy bodies. And we're, you know, like I try to steer it a little bit, but it, I just think those things, practicing gratitude, recognizing when people are winning, uh, it builds their confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that so much. And I think 
people underestimate the the power of gratitude. And I know it gets it, it's a buzzword and it, people yeah. talk about it a lot, but the it's, actual application of it, you know, we get lost in because it's it's so easy to look at things that may have went wrong or the worst part of the day is kind of that thing that sticks out. Yeah. And I talked about this after my TV interview. And for a while on the ride home, I found myself hanging on when I, I screwed up a statistic and like the one thing I wish I could have gone back and redid. And so I got home and I, I rewatched it, which I don't always love doing, but I was like, well, okay, if I'm hanging on something, I, I want to learn from this. So what, yeah. what, you know, and after I watched it, I was like, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought. And look at, you know, I got to sing the praises of this previous student of mine and what she's up to and like, what an amazing opportunity. And, and so I really had to reframe the way I thought about the situation and, you know, it didn't come like as much as I, the, the support of everybody was for sure, super amazing and helpful, but none of that matters. That external validation matters if inside you're not actually feeling it. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is, um, I think my dad taught me so much about self-confidence when I was little and I had no idea. So we would go to like the mall and my sister and my mom would be shopping and him and I would be like painfully bored. So I would sit there and he would say, out of all these people in here, I love you the most. And I would be like, even more than that guy? And he'd be like, yeah. And even more than that guy? And I'd, yeah. You know, and he'd be like, in fact, I am the founding member of the Brooke Herwin fan club. So like, I legit thought there was a fan club that like people got tickets for <laughs> Of course I did, didn't I? Uh, like the Mickey Mouse Club. Like that's what I thought it was. Like people would buy memberships to the Brooke Kerwin fan club. And so I remember being in high school and I came home from something and I was crying and, you know, my boyfriend was a mess and like I was so epically dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling him this big sob story and he looks at me and he goes, well, do you want to know the reason that that happened to you? And I was like, because of this person and this person, you know, like I just go off and he goes, no, no, no that happened to you because you're not even a member of your own fan club. So you, you have to be the founding member of your own fan club, meaning you have to love yourself, right. And be a member of your own fan club before you can expect anyone else to sign up, but you're expecting all these other people to love you and be so excited for you. And you don't even love yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Oh, that's how that works. So it's, it's interesting to see like in, in a lot of situations where I felt like unworthy or people don't like me or whatever, I always have to go internal and be like, "Mm, there's something yucky about myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you can, it's like, you know, how you look or how you feel or how you like, there's always something like that. It's not everybody else. It's an internal thing. And as soon as you're internally good, then everyone else kind of comes around a little bit. A million percent. And identifying your triggers is uh, so important in that process. And when you see that something's bothering you, like I, you know, a lot of people talk about how social media is a highlight reel, right? And it's this pain point in people to log into social media and to see people living these beautifully happy lives. And sure, there are some people who inauthentically construct that and it's not real. However, there are many people who are out there sharing their wins, living very cool, happy lives. And I love seeing that. Yes. And when I hear people talk about like 
the moans and groans of the highlight reels of social media, I'm like, oh, you have no idea that that's because you're, you're feeling lack inside. Totally. My coach always says like perception is projection, Mm. right? So it's like, it's like you're projecting these things on, on someone else. So if I ever am looking at something like that lens I'm on social media or just in someone I see and I can start my mind's like, well, she has this and they do this and then you can go on that path. Yeah. I'm like, now I've turned it into, there must be something about that person that I admire or I want or I desire or so now it's a game for me, right? Yeah. It's like I must be, they're showing up to show me something that is about myself. So what is it about me that that triggers me? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, or, or like, why, why can't you just be happy for that person or why? So I've really practiced this physically in that I, I cheer for people on purpose. Mm-hmm. So like, if I see, especially women in business, cause that happens to be my heart, but if I see someone doing something awesome or, um, you know, uh, like they posted something great or they did something great or they got a promotion or they, whatever it is, I'll like send them a note or I'll send them flowers or I'll um, just send them a text. Like, Hey, you're doing awesome things. I'm so proud of you. Like not proud, like I'm your mama, but like proud, like I'm running right next to you. I've had a few people very close to me where once they were starting to step into their like authentic self and really start to find success in that the people who were showing not even a lack of support, but like a question of like, Mm. what are they doing? What are, those are the same people who very blatantly felt some sort of competition in that that same field. And what, it all comes back to is whether or not we have a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset, and there is enough for everybody. And if you don't believe that, if you feel like somebody else's success or happiness is taking away from yours, then there's a lot of inner work to be done there. But yeah. And and for sure, I have, I have fallen to that scarcity mindset before, and I've had to catch myself where I have watched an author's success or or something else. And I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm not doing enough or I'm not whatever. And then it's like, okay, actually let's utilize this to show how I'm really feeling about it. What I'm feeling about myself, uh, make sure I let them know how amazing they're doing. It can either tear a person down or it can inspire them. And once you make that shift of like looking at it, like, just because they're doing it doesn't mean that I can't. It actually means I can do that too. And if people came from that perspective, it would really shift things. And I think more people would execute on ideas. Yeah. I think the number one reason why, uh, let's just go women specifically, right? Like women don't execute on amazing ideas they have is for fear of what other people will think. Mm -hmm. Um, for fear of creating a distance between them and their spouse, them and their family, them and their friends. You know what I mean? Um, I just read an article the other day that was talking about CEO women. And it really talked about like the number one thing that CEO women desire is a tribe of women who speak, act, and think in direct correlation with themselves. Right. So that when I go into this group, I don't have to like for lack of a better term, dumb it down so that I fit in, right? Like I don't want to be too spectacular. So I'm going to come down a little bit. 
Um, and then when I go in this group, I have to be another person, right? Then that, that tends to be the feeling instead of like, this is me. Mm-hmm. This is what I got. Listen, I have worked really hard to be this girl mm-hmm. and not perfect in any moment, but I, uh, of all things, I trust me and I know that I do my absolute best that I possibly can with the information that I have at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm sure. If you and I have this conversation in 10 years, lens, we'll have a completely different perspective, mm-hmm. but the ability to be awesome and be okay with it and be celebrated for it. Right. Like I've, I've been in so many situations where it's like, Oh, I don't want to, I want to tell people this about me, or I don't want to be too loud on social media, or I don't want to share this because, you know, there, there's a lot of that and everyone feels like that. But the reality of the situation is no one woke up this morning wondering what Brooke was going to do, right? <laughs> like everyone woke up trying to find a snack for their kid and looking for their left mitten and all those types of things. And and so it's like, why, why do you care? Right. I, I just saw something the other day that said, you know, Queen Elizabeth has been passed now for, I don't know, it's almost six months. And she had over like, I don't know, 70% of the wealth of, I don't know if it was that area or the, the, the whole world or whatever it is. Again, statistics, not my thing. But <laughs> needless to say, extremely wealthy, extremely influential. Yeah. And how many people are talking about her on a day-to-day basis right now? And so if we are living our lives by the fear of what people are saying about us, I mean, yes. it is just a, it, it's such it, a, it's too bad. It's too bad. You know, Tony Robbins has a thing where he calls it past the green beans. And it's like, there's this family sitting at dinner and the dad's talking to the mom and he's like, Oh, did you hear that? Mrs. Johnson passed away. And the mom goes, Oh, I didn't actually, can you pass me the green beans? Like that is how fast people move on. Mm-hmm. Yet Mrs. Johnson spent her whole life wondering what that family thought of her. Mm-hmm. And and so like I just don't want to live like that. And and you know, I want to have friends where I can call them and be like, I was such a badass today. Let me tell you the cool things that I did and what I just created because I'm so excited and that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to go big, right? And and I don't apologize for that. And I think there's a way to do that tactfully and respectfully and and with kindness, but I want to be surrounded by people that can go, awesome. You know, this is what I did. What did you do? And then, you know, you just create this like up level, up level. Um, and I think a lot of women seek groups like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm to the point in my life where I, I spent so much of my life being insecure and feeling, uh, just, I don't know, it's safe. You're, you're, you're safe when you don't put yourself out and, and people like safe people like people who are safe. Yes. There is a way to stand in your power in celebration with all of those around you too. It's not an either or. And so if everybody could let go of the fear to just to stand in what they their their own unique skill set is, that it would just be amazing. And more things would be created. Yeah. Yeah. But more things would be created, more things would be facilitated and celebrated. And yeah. So I mean, I, I attempt to do that with people that are my close friends and and people who aren't 
are most commonly the people that I send messages to. Just like, I see you and I see what you're doing and I just want you to know it's awesome. Um, and, and we try to do that with our kids. I, Carl and I do that with each other. Yeah. Right. Like, um, 100%. yeah, like he just did this big real estate deal the other day and I immediately like went to the jewelry store, got him this cool bracelet. And I came home with this present and he's like, what is this for? I was like, hello, we're celebrating. This is so awesome. I'm so excited for you. And even he was like, oh, okay. Okay. We're celebrating. I was like, yeah, right here in our office. We're celebrating because you're awesome. Great job. You know what I mean? And it was so funny because he was like, oh, it's kind of taken off guard. I don't know what to do. Um, And so I was like, okay, that means we need to do more of this Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you can get caught in the rat race, especially, you know, achiever personality of like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And there has been so many times in my life where I wish I would have just stopped and celebrated like, Hey, that was good. Great job. This is what I want to do different next time, but great job. (laughs) Yeah. We actually just had a conversation. It was like two days ago. There are a couple projects that I want to to like move forward and and, and start working with some authors. And there's just been a couple hangups, you know, and, and so I was just feeling a little frustrated with that or a little down, I guess. And Gary kind of had a come to Jesus moment with me. And he was like, honey, you got to like, just pause and look at where you've come in the last several years. And like, I so appreciate your desire to like, keep moving forward and all of that, but don't take right now for granted. And I was like, Ooh, okay. Giving my own listen. Yes. It's so good. You know, um, I created this thing on my phone. You might like this, but you know how you have like a photo what are they called? Where you hold all your photos, photo album, sorry. Like you have photo albums on your, and I created one that's called impact. And I went through my phone literally for an hour one day and any moment or photo that I could find where I felt like it represented the impact that I've made, I put it into one album. Mm. And every time I'm feeling like I'm not making an impact, I'm not doing enough. I don't influence anyone. I, you know what I mean? Like I lost my magic. That's what I'll say. Uh, I will sit down and I will flip through that album of impact. And what I'm doing is just showing myself evidence that no, you have made a huge impact. You do make a difference. Uh, like what you do does matter. And here is all the evidence of that. And, and I don't share it with anyone else. I just look through it myself privately and it could be things with my kids or, you know, things that have helped people build or, you know, whatever. Um, and it just kind of brings back my confidence. It brings back like, no, no, that was a story you just told. This is the actual story. Yeah. That's so cool. That's a great way to, yeah. Give ourselves those checks and put us back into gratitude. So are you working directly with people in, it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about is like coaching. And is that something that you're, you just naturally do, or is that something you're engaged in? And what is, what is your day-to-day look like? Yeah, it's a good question. So in, in creating these, this business, I kind of felt like, like I got dropped in the middle of a jungle with a machete by myself <laughs> and I just like started hacking a trail, you know? And so um, what I'm so super passionate about is helping the younger version of myself. 
uh, and, and like teaching and coaching those things. And so I had all of these people, just to be honest, like coming to me outside of my business realm and was like, Hey, will you coach me on this? Can you help me with this? Uh, can I talk to you about this? That I, I called a friend one day and I was like, listen, I was folding laundry and I just downloaded this idea that I'm supposed to have this coaching business. And, um, and honestly, again, just kind of started based out of, you know, what I call the producer's paradigm, which is like producing from a space of joy. And, and it's really fun for me. And, um, I enjoy it. I love to see people win. I love to see people execute on ideas. And so that's kind of, um, a lot of what I do now. Um, so Carl's doing a lot of real estate investment and I'm doing a lot of coaching and, and, you know, we run our other business as well. So I find that for my personality, the, the more fun projects I can have going at the same time, the better I do. You know, I, I love that pace. Um, I love the energy uh, and the excitement of different projects. Um, and I notice when I only have one project going on, I get kind of bored. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I can like come in my office and I'm like, do, 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 you know, it's like a, it's like a video game of how many things I can do. Then when I go and play with my kids, I'm like even more excited and I have even more energy and like, I'm I'm more excited to work out or to do whatever it is that I'm going to do because having multiple projects really fills my cup and coaching has on if you would ask me five years if I was going to do that five years ago I would have like laughed at you like you are a crazy person but it just kind of naturally happened and people were coming to me and that's just sort of what's evolved that's awesome and you do this virtually yes yep we do it virtually mm-hmm. is it one-on-one or with groups both, both. there's okay. lots of different options yep so a lot of what the people that are coming to me, Linz, are like, they're already entrepreneurs. They've created something awesome. They're like, I know how to execute on an idea, right? But they've reached the glass ceiling of their talent. Like, they're like, I had a natural talent and I turned it into a business. And generally, they start those projects desiring freedom. And the thing that they don't have is freedom. <laughs> because yeah, the goes around you and you're the accountant and you're the banker and you're the this and you're the this, you know what I mean? And so now you're wearing 74 hats. Congratulations. Yeah. It's uh, a phrase. I left my nine to five to work 24 <laughs> seven. <laughs> so true. And it's uh, some people, sometimes they just reach this Uh, like a ceiling of talent. Like my talent has taken me this far and now I actually need systems and tools and, and techniques and structure to be able to take this thing to the next level. And I often, you know, point like this, like you have a spotlight on yourself. And when people start a business, it's the spotlight is pointed on them. And then the ability to turn that spotlight and shine it on someone else actually is the thing that creates freedom for the entrepreneur. Mm. which is what they were looking for in the first place. And so that's really what I have been working with people on and coaching them is how to start a business or amplify a business that they've already created, take it to the next level, create freedom for yourself. That's so cool. How long have you been doing that? Uh, We've been working on it for a while. Um, I mean, the like, I think the co- the coaching You've of it. Always been coaching, like yeah, like I I don't feel like it's any different. I've always been doing that, and now just randomly, people from like I said, other industries are coming to me, like, hey, can you help me with this? What yeah. about this? My friend told me to call you. Can you talk to me about this? And I was like, oh yeah, totally. And it's fun for me. 
Yeah. That's awesome. So, and do you still have a lot of the smoothie shops? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we still have all of those and I love it. And we spend a lot of time doing that. We have one here locally um, that I'm totally in love with. Uh, And I was just there this morning and it's just, it's my happy place. Like it's happy and people are happy and it gives me energy and it does cool things in the community. And um, that was absolutely my vision for that place. And so it just makes me happy to go there. That's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great spot in location too. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun one. That's awesome. That was a Carl project. I was like, I, a, a few years ago, I drew this like picture of, okay, if I could ever build one again, this is what it would look like. And he was like, we're not doing it again. <laughs> and then we moved back and we had the opportunity. I was like, this is my chance. Uh, I was like, okay, can you buy a building? And I literally had it like drawn on a napkin. Um, and I was like, and I want it to look like this. And so he bought the building and, you know, contracted all these people and brought my napkin to life. And that's what it looks like today. And he kept coming to me through the process. Like, I think we could do this instead. I was like, yo, stick with the napkin. Like, <laughs> it's a very clear vision in my head. Just do that. Oh, um, awesome. So funny. But yeah, so that's been the one the one in my mind for a long time. It's yeah. cool to come to life. So cool. I wanted to ask you about, you had talked about your dad and the lessons he instilled several times. And I want you to share the story of he passed when we were young, 19. 20, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know you've had some uh, amazing like instances after he's passed. And, yeah. and so I wanted you to share that too. Yeah. So he passed Linz on my 20th birthday, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would have been like sophomores in college, I think. It's it's such a good story now. And I know that sounds funny to say, but like, I I feel like I, for the first half of my life, so I'm 41 now. So what's interesting is like, I, I've lived as much of my life without him as with him. Um, mm. I really, I really am pretty good at talking about this usually. <laughs> so, uh, so, so it's like, you're, you're, first of all, that's a hard age, right? Like, what sophomore girl in college has anything together? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like such a hot mess. Just just like you're trying to figure it out and who are your friends and where do you live? And so there's already like just so much uncertainty in life. And I remember talking to him and and he just, he loved my birthday, like loved it. And we were best buddies. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Like you know, your dad and your best friend and your mentor all like wrapped into one human being. And you go from this, like, I'm a superhero because my daddy protects me to like, I'm the most vulnerable human being on the planet in, in the snap of a finger. Mm. Um, and I remember talking to him the day before and I was just like, he's like, please come home for your birthday. Like, I'll do anything. Just come for your birthday. And um, I was like, no, I'm going to party with my friends. Right. And my boyfriend was going to have a party for me. And I was so excited. Well, I didn't tell my dad, but I was going to drive home and surprise him. So that night, 
my boyfriend had a big party for me and it was great. And I woke up the next morning, ran back to my apartment and I was grabbing my stuff to head home to go see my dad for my birthday. And that's when my mom called me. And so I was like, you know, I just think it's this, it's this interesting dynamic, right? Is like, you want to talk about confidence. Like I was like, you, you don't want to mess with me because of my dad, right? Like he was a protector and, and, um, you know, I think when you're this age, everyone thinks their parents are superheroes, right? So there was that. And then I kind of went on the streak lens where it was like, I couldn't really figure out my life. And I was, I was just like spinning and I was so sad and I was so mad, like, like anger, seven levels deep. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and just like, you left me and how could you leave me? And now, you know, like I just had all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I just feel like I made so many decisions in that period of my life that I would have never made had he been standing there. Cause he would have been like, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I was like this, like, I'm never going to become who I'm supposed to be because I'm making all these mistakes because you don't, are not here to tell me what to do was mm-hmm. really like my, thing when as I look back on it now I never would have become who I am today with him here because he was a protector but that was an enabling thing for me Mm. right and I had to be able to like go through the forest by myself and and you know that's also a story that I created was like I'm now I'm by myself like no listen I'm surrounded by amazing family and amazing friends and never ever have I been by myself Mm-hmm. Right. But that's what it it felt like in that time frame as I as I kind of move forward. And I also think that like through the business journey, I missed him because I wanted to call him and I wanted him to cheer for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, founder of the Brooke Cruin fan club. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like you lose the founder of your fan club. Like that's a serious thing. You know, and and so I kind of went on this journey lens at at a very young age of like what you and I would call the woo-woo trail, right? Of like, that can't be right. Like he wouldn't have left me, like he wouldn't have just disappeared. Like I refuse to believe that that's the option. Mm-hmm. And for me, honestly, I just needed to know that I could still talk to him. And so I started doing a lot of readings and a lot of astrology stuff and and reading a lot of books about spirit guides and <clears throat> and that kind of thing and um you know that then I kind of started to be like oh I mean as you can see like it's still sad right like like we miss him but we've done so many awesome things and I don't think he's missed a minute of it you know and 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 I I can hear him I can um for me it's a smell yeah and I didn't identify that for a long time, but um, my dad used to smoke these really huge, like stogies, like big cigars, and he would ship them in from Mexico, like this one certain kind of cigar. And it doesn't happen to me often, but probably three or four times throughout my life, I'll be like, I was standing on the sidewalk in front of my college apartment and the whole place will just smelled like cigar smoke. Mm. And I, at first I was like, ah, that's weird. But then as I got older, I was like, oh, that's how that works. I get it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, and now have, have grown and understood that like, this is how it works. And I literally give him, (laughs) I literally give him a checklist, like, 
Here's what I would like to know. If you could download these things into my mind, that would really help me out. I know you're not really doing anything else. So take on this project for me. Um, and that it's funny for me now. And that's honestly how I treat it. And my kids talk about him all the time and they know who they know who he is and they know where I learned a lot of things. And, um, you know, I also think that sometimes when people pass away, we tend to like pedestal them. We put them on a pedestal and we make them seem like they were the perfect person. Right. So right. as I become a parent and adult, I've, I'm very clear that my dad wasn't a perfect person and that when you're little, your daddy is perfect for you you know, and, and, but actually he was a human being and he struggled with these certain things, which is why he taught me and where he, he identified a weakness in himself. He taught me to be strong in those areas. Right. And and I've been able to put a lot of those pieces together as to why he said certain things. And, and as I look back, he would teach me things, Lindsay, and he would verbally say, I'm not going to be here for very long. So you need to get this. And I remember saying, can you stop saying that? Like, you're freaking me out. Quit saying that. And then he would just go on to the next thing. Hmm. Um, And that happened to me a lot. And I never really understood it. Like, there's so many things about him that I had no idea he was teaching me things until until now I'm old, right? And and now I'm like, oh, that's what that meant. That was pretty smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I remember driving, like he was teaching me how to drive in the LM parking lot. And um we went to like pull out onto the highway. And before we pulled out, he goes, Listen, you either go or you stay, but you don't go halfway out there. He goes, He who hesitates is lost. And you have to believe in yourself enough that if you say stay, then you stay and you don't question it. And if you say go, you better go and not hesitate because where people get in crashes is they go out halfway in the road and then they go, oh, no, I shouldn't have gone. And then they stop and then they get smacked by another car. Right. So he was like, you have to believe enough in yourself to either stay and be okay with it or go. (laughs) He would say, like, go and go to beat hell. Like, don't hesitate. And I was like, okay, dad, you're so annoying. Like, you know, like just so much sauce, so much sauce. (laughs) And really now when I look at my life in business and my life in general, like he who hesitates is very much one of my foundational philosophies because the times in my life where I've pulled halfway out and questioned myself, I just get ran over by the semi of life, right? Mm-hmm. So there's been times where I hit the gas and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going, <laughs> you know what, I mean? like, what am I doing? But I didn't hesitate. And that has, that has helped me so much. And also on the opposite side of like, when you decide to stay, know that it's okay to stay. And it's, it's okay to, to be good with that and not feel pressured to go when you don't want to. So there's just so much in that, that I feel like that's just one of the lessons that comes up for me daily that I try to teach our kids too. But, but yeah, I mean, now when I look back on my dad, I think about like a guy who was so, like he, he was so powerful, um, but had so much to learn. Right. Which I think is why he's such an active soul because he still desires to learn and to help so much, which is why I give him a list. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like help a girl out here. Right. Uh, but but that I would never, ever be who I am today if he was still here. And I think he knew that. Mm, wow. Mm-hmm. Your dad was a force. There's no question. 
And there's so much of exactly why I wanted you to to talk about this is because there's so much wisdom he imparted on you in the first 20 years of your life. And it's, yeah, I, I think about it as a parent all the time. Like, what are those little nuggets, those like digestible, powerful things that I can just teach them to carry on with them forever? It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I think so oftentimes people pass away, Lindsay, and we don't talk about them and we don't tell stories about them. And, you know, my, my seven-year-old asked the other day, he's like, why don't we have a birthday for grandpa Bill? And I was like, good question. Not sure why we don't. He's like, we have a birthday party for everybody else. We love birthday parties. I was like, touche. We will have a birthday party for him. Great call. Like, I don't know. Um, but there's just so many of those things. Like it's okay to tell the stories and it's okay to be sad. And, um, it, it it's okay to like laugh about it and not treat him like he had no flaws and like he was the greatest guy you ever met. Cause listen, the dude had flaws, right? Mm -hmm. Just like I do, just like you do. And so I, I just, I like to have an open dialogue versus someone just disappeared and no one talks about it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't have the skills lens to like process that. I had never had anyone pass away period, much less my person. Right. Yeah. And so the, it, it was just like, I just wanted to, I, I wanted to tell stories and I wanted to hear stories and, and there's just so much healing in that. And I think that can be awkward sometimes for people like they just don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And especially for our kids generation. I mean, like, just like you, my kids know about, especially grandpa Rodney a lot. Cause I talked about him yeah. all the time. But there's so much that gets passed down in our lineage through you look at epigenetics and, and yeah. what gets passed down in DNA. And so just like we study history, so we don't repeat mistakes or so we can do better, we've we've got to be talking about all of that in the same way in our lineage. Sure. And then I think it also gives permission to people like people mess up. It's yeah. Uh, you're going to do some great things in your life and you're going to do some things that are like, oh boy, that was not so good. You know what I mean? Everyone has that. And if you can't laugh and move forward, then like you're, you're not doing it right. And you're not hanging out with the same, with the right people. Right. right? I also want to have someone where I can call and be like, Hey, I did something brilliant. And Oh, by the way, this is the other thing that I did. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, I need to get this off my chest. I messed up. Yeah, totally. There's so much of your story that I, I'm so glad you were able to bring forward of wisdom and learning from experience and, and taking chances and not being afraid to go big and not dimming our lights, being every part of who we truly are, because that's who we came here to be. And so we're going to have this internal struggle if we hinder that in any way. Yeah. And, you know, I just try to, I try to focus on like studying myself and like understanding, okay, what am I, what am I really good at? I recently hired someone to help me figure out what I'm really, really good at. Uh, like, what are my strengths? Where am I really strong and talented and gifted and vice versa? Where do I keep making the same mistakes over and over? I have the same habits over and over you know, it's like, there are a lot of those areas too in my life that I've really been able to identify. And then for me, I just try to stay like at least 80% of my time in that strength zone. Yeah. 
you know, <laughs> be like, Carl, be like, can you pick up your clothes in the closet? And I'm like, no, I can't. And I'm actually not working on that. I'm totally okay. <laughs> Here's the list of things I'm working on. Picking up my clothes in the closet is not on the list. And I'm totally great with it. And he's like, okay, you have officially lost it. <laughs> I'm going to try that with Gary, see if that works. Yeah. I'd, um, I'd be happy to share with you all the things I am working on. Picking up my clothes in the closet is actually not on the list. I'm great with it. <laughs> Yeah, that must not be on my list either because our closet, oh. I a couple of my close girlfriends in the neighborhood, I sent a, a video of the closet and they were like, girl, we will come over and help organize. Like, not okay. And I was like, I know, I know. I, yeah. yeah. But let me tell you all the cool stuff I did, right? Yeah. So that oh, I tried to distract him with that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't usually work, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think the ability to like, study yourself. And, um, you know, that what I've learned is like a lot of the answers to the questions that I have, have been answered with a journal in a quiet room by myself. You know, I've solved a lot of problems and, and answered a lot of questions about myself just by journaling and journaling and journaling and journaling. And I can't tell, I can't possibly write anything else down. And then I go back and look at it and I read through like, where do I see common threads and commonalities and things that are brilliant and great thoughts and great ideas are all extracted from those journals. I often think that, you know, women, people are busy. We've got kids and we've got jobs and we've got relationships. And Oh, by the way, you're supposed to have these friends that you're supposed to deposit into. And like, Mm -hmm. there's so much going on that, Oh, now Brooke, you're telling me now I have to go study myself. But what I'm saying is that when I have studied myself, it has enriched all of these other relationships that I have. Mm -hmm. And so the success of my business has really been, I call it the human factor. I study humans, right? So without leadership and without humans, there is no business. And, And that study of human beings has come from studying myself first, Here's my habits and and tactics and gifts. And therefore, then I can identify and extract them in other people. But until you're willing to sit in the room by yourself with a journal, yeah, had to start there for me. A million percent. There's so much that uh, becomes unearthed through journaling. And it is, it's like you talked about with, I don't know if it was gratitude or one of the other things, but it is a muscle. Um, And Mm -hmm. so- you can very easily, it can be atrophied if you get out of it and you're not doing it, but the more you do it, the the stronger it gets and the more ideas flow in and yeah, your self-awareness, your ability to find the good, mm-hmm. which, you know, if we don't consciously look for the good, the bad's going to pop out real blaringly loud and quick. For sure. Whether in yourself or in other people or in your spouse or in your job. I mean, you can, the reason this is so pivotal is because you can apply it to any aspect of your life. Yeah. And that's where it's been so helpful for me, but I get the whole, like, I'm too busy to do that. And as women, the, the, the last thing on our list is usually ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I could achieve you know, psycho achieve over here in this category and help these people. But you want me to spend time on myself and journal instead. And for so long, I just wasn't willing to do that. But in turn, when I started doing that, you know, my friendships got stronger and my marriage got stronger and the connection to these little boys got stronger and the relationship with my sister. And, you know, you can go down the list of 
that are so, so important to me have all come from, listen, I'm a human and this is what I'm really good at. And this is where I really struggle. And that's just the deal. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you are doing that and raising your vibration, the people around you, it's, it, it really starts to raise the vibration of people around you. Cause we are the three, five people we spend the most time with and for sure. For sure. It either raises, you know, and, and oftentimes what I find is like, if people aren't attracted to that vibration lens, they just kind of naturally disappear. Yes. Cause like either I make them uncomfortable or they make me uncomfortable or like, there's just not a connection. So if you're not at the same vibration with people, they just have a tendency to like dissolve gently out of your life mm-hmm. and to be okay with that too. Mm-hmm. And that means just like they dissolve more new people, different people will be attracted in. And sometimes there's a grieving period with that because essentially you can grieve a loss of your previous self too. And then, For sure. what, yeah. For sure. And then you try to find like, you know, the gratitude in those situations. Like, I'm so glad I had this person in my life when I was going through this and they served a purpose and, um, you know, this is what I did for them and this is what they did for me. And and that's what we were here for. And now we've moved on and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, the law of the vacuum is like, now you, you've created space to attract something new, something different, something that is a better fit at this point. Um, so many good nuggets. Okay. So, uh, how can people best connect with you? Of course, so we'll put this in the, uh, the notes. Right yeah. Now. So, um, you can connect with me on social, um, IG is brook.kerwin. You can send me a message there or Facebook as well, whatever, you know, platform you love. Um, and then also we have our, um, our coaching company is called empire chicks, chicks who just help people big build big empires. Uh, and the website is, um, on there as well. So empirechicks.com. So awesome. Well, uh, you are, this was so much fun. I love you dearly. I could continue talking for hours, but, um, we'll, we'll do this again. And, and thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing awesome things. I'm so, so proud of you. And I'm always cheering, you know, that I cheer often for you, you but it's, it's so fun to watch and create. And I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. And speaking to, um, you are incredibly supportive and I really want to thank you for that because it, yeah, it, it means a lot. So thank you. Yeah. Keep it rolling. See you soon. Okay. Sounds great. Bye. Bye.